This episode is sponsored by LawCPD, Australia's premium supplier of online continued legal education. LawCPD's professional development courses are all offered online, which means you can complete them anywhere at any time. And they are kindly offering Juggle listeners a discount of $25 off the next course they buy with Law CPD between now and until the 31st of October 2019. All you have to do is use the discount code JUGGLE25, all caps lock, at the checkout. They have a huge range of courses and they're not just for lawyers, so don't be scared off from that. The topics include working effectively with email, dealing with difficult people, leadership sins, and a whole bunch of others. I've used Law CPD for years to help me keep up with my CPD obligations, and I especially love that they can be completed online. As much as it's nice to get out of the office now and then to meet people when you're doing your CPD, sometimes we just need to get those points done, especially those ethics points, (laughs) and often they're left till last minute. So don't do that. Do them now. Do them online. Do them from anywhere at any time. I did one course this year when Harry was a newborn. I was one point down and I was coming up to the end of March deadline and I could just log on. I think I did it late at night. It was brilliant. So juggle 25 for your $25 off at lawcpd.com.au. If you want a satisfying career and a fulfilling family life, this is the podcast for you. Join me, Joel Lilovich, and me, Lucy Dickens, as we share strategies and advice to help you keep your balls in the air. Welcome to the Juggle Podcast. Hi everyone, it's Joel Lilovich here. And Lucy Dickens, you're listening to the Juggle Podcast. Thanks again for joining us. We're joined today by Kim Atkins, who is the CEO and co-founder of a business that you've probably heard of. It's called The Vault, which is often referred to as the Airbnb of fashion. Kim's got a vision to make authentic designer fashion accessible and sustainable for the everyday women all over the world. She started off as a lawyer in Australia, which is how I first got to know her, before she moved to London and worked in a number of different areas, including mining and investment banking. On returning to Australia, she co-founded a successful occupational health medical practice, Capstone Health, with her husband. And that was the start of it for her. After that, she was off on the entrepreneurial journey and next step was The Vault. Not to mention that she also has four children, all aged nine and under. We have some really interesting conversations with Kim and she very kindly offers all our Juggle listeners 20% off the vault using her code Juggle20. So make sure you listen all the way to the end to find out all about her. I loved having this interview with Kim. I've known Kim for, oh God, that's pretty scary actually, over 20 years. And she's a really interesting person. The number of different things that she's done from starting off as that traditional lawyer path to now doing the vault. She has so much good stuff to share. Everything from being a woman in tech, what it's really like, you know, the idea that you have to hide your family situation. And she talks about the idea of invisible children, which I think everyone will find really interesting. It was, especially given that my experience of having children in my career has been the complete opposite of what she had. So it's like a whole other world. It's really, really interesting. So bearing that in mind, it's interesting to learn not only about the invisible children story, but also how Kim then coordinates her family because there are two businesses in the family, four children under nine. There's lots going on. Yeah. And given that her three co-founders also have a bunch of children as well, I think she says that between all four of them, they've got 12 kids. That's a lot of kids to be organizing on a weekly basis. (laughs) Yeah, that's a juggle. All right. So enjoy. Enjoy. 
Hey, Kim, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. I've been looking forward to this conversation. It's been a while since we've actually caught up and, you know, a lot has happened in the intervening years. Yes, a lot has been. Yeah, I know. Gosh, think of us 10 years ago (laughs) where we are now. It's crazy, isn't it? 10 years uh, ago and pregnant. Don't forget that. How many children have been added to the mix? Yeah. Yeah, true, true. Maybe 20 should we say. (laughs) (laughs) Uni, university. We sometimes like to start when we have guests on the show by asking them what time they got up this morning and what time their day started. So let's see, Kim, what time did you start today? Funnily enough, today I probably had better than usual day. I actually got up around 6am, which, which sounds early, but usually I'm woken a bit before by one of the children um, who happened to sleep a bit later than normal today. Oh, that's lovely. It's funny because when you're a parent of young children and you're talking about early morning, 6am is pretty good morning. I, I'm, I'm with you on that. We're more like five quite often, sometimes even four. <laughs> so yeah, 6am, that's all right. I always feel that if it has a um, six in the number, we're, we're on a good day. You're good. So, <laughs> good start. So what does a typical day look like for you at the moment? To be honest, I've got four small children. Three of them are at full-time school, one at home. So on a weekday, it was sort of involves me racing around, getting them all organised for school and then obviously dropping them off. And I spent something with him in the morning, like an activity, and then he sleeps for about three hours in the middle of the day where I try to get work done. And then obviously uh, then post, to be honest, post-school activities with the kids, my kids are all pretty active. So then we have the sort of three to six slot, which is activities, running around, dinner, bed, homework, and then they go down 7, 7.30. After I've eaten dinner, then I jump on and do work again. <laughs> pretty much that. And then on the days that I go into the office, I actually have someone come to my house at 6.45 a.m. So I'm in the office early. I try and get in there early and sort of do like a 7 till 5 in the office. I try and do and just try and get as much done on those days. That's a huge day. Yeah. So... I just try and, and then at least I have a couple of days with Tom separate to that as well or mornings with him anyway because he sleeps. So I just find you get so much done when you're sort of not distracted yeah. you know, and you're in the office environment. So, but yeah, it's crazy. With startups as well, like I think you just, you're always on and yes. with any business to be honest, with any small business, you are just always on 24-7. So whilst small business I think gives you flexibility, that comes at a price because it also means that there's always something to do, something to be done with the lists. So I always try, just being a mum, I try to maybe spend time with the kids and the work. So I do try and work around when the older kids are home. So that's why I tend to work at night or when they're at school sort of thing. We'll do a couple of long days just so I can sort of have a bit of time with them as well. But, yeah, I'm crazy. Kim, where does sleep come into the equation here? I'm hearing work <laughs> and I'm hearing kids. I'm not hearing much sleep. <laughs> I don't think I've had much sleep for the last 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> um, I probably, someone previous, even probably in my 20s, I probably never needed a huge amount of sleep. In saying that, I do like to get eight hours. So I'm not saying that I don't like to get my sleep. But, yeah, I just try, like, if I don't have anything on and there's no and there's nothing pressing I need to do to work, I actually just try and go to bed as soon as I can now um, on those nights because other times, because we've got, like, with our company, we've actually got, like, developers in the US. We've got 
um, other customer service team in the Philippines. We've got other developers in Vietnam. We've got people in Sydney. We're such a diverse team globally that I can easily be on a call late at night or early in the morning. So when I don't have something pressing like that, I just try and get sleep early when I can. But I know less it's crazy. So you know what it's like now probably. You've probably got less than me with a five-month-old. So. <laughs> Good point. I'll take that. So how many days are you trying to actually get into the office? Two to three days in the office and then the rest the rest from home. Again, like I said, yeah, t- lucky Tommy's still young enough that I do I do a good stint when he's asleep at home. He sleeps for like three to four hours, crazy. Mm. And then the rest I'll try and push like either early or later at night sort of thing. Well, not later at night but when they're in bed. So just feels like you're always on really. And it's not just you in your family because you've also got a second family business. Yes. So, (laughs) and that would have competing demands too because are you still working in that other business as well or have you just said, you know, I can't do anything? Yeah, so in terms of that with the medical clinic and that, that background, I have pulled out of that. So I do very occasionally assist, but really it's more in a legal sense or like, even like a document sense. But I just, there was just no time to do both really. So we actually hired someone to go into Capstone and do yeah. my role there. And then, um, yeah, so my husband is away. Like he was away recently up until a week ago, two weeks ago. He was away nine weeks in a row from oh. Monday to Friday. So wow. he's away a lot and and has big challenges in being the owner and running that business. So I think you're right, to be honest, this year has been crazy because with the vault really ramping up and then the clinic as well and then the kids all being so little, yeah. I think it went like... Um, we've got to work something out here as in we've got to like just get something into play so that we don't all suffer (laughs) so so what support did you bring in or have you brought in or will you plan on bringing in don't know where you're at with the process (laughs) yes true so um in the past we've had okays for periods of time just that have helped with us just for the consistency for the kids um point of view we also luckily enough to have really good help from grandparents as well with the kids, which means they get quality time with the kids. At the moment, the help is sort of, we have a nanny come in who sort of helps and not only does that, she might help cook some kids' meals and, you know, do a few extra things like that. So that when I get home, like the meal's cooked and I can actually just spend time with the kids yeah. or there might be baths earlier so I can actually just read with them or do homework with them. Just trying to take away things that I would normally do at home while I'm at work so that I've actually got time just with the kids when I'm home. It's not perfect by any means. It's something that I've been thinking about a lot lately, this thing about wanting to be present with my kids. You know, actually when I'm with them, I want to be talking to them and there's always a, a rush. Like, for example, at the end of the day, you get home from work and you're like, gosh, I've got to get dinner ready and I've got to get them bathed and you've got to do all these things. And if you can relax into it and just say, okay, well, the kids can actually help me cook. And then that's spending time with them and that's being present with them. But I feel that most of the time with me, I'm so like, I've just got to get this done. And I'll I'll usually tell them, you guys go and do your thing and play or whatever. I'm going to get dinner organized and then I'll come and talk to you. But by the time that's done, then we've got to eat it. 
and then we're rushing off to the next thing and you're losing all the time. It's so easy to fall into that. I find myself doing that sometimes with Harry. I'll just make a cup of tea and then it's, oh, I'll just quickly make lunch and I'll just do this. And it's like, there's always something else on the list. And it's like, you just do this, just do this, but you're always just doing something. And when are you just going to do nothing? Yeah. I know it's tricky, isn't it? Like I think um, I heard something the other day from someone, um, like a friend um, who knows me as child psychology, and they actually said that if your child asks for you and says, Mum, I need you to do something now or something, if you can give them three minutes apparently, that is apparently all they need, but three minutes sort of one-on-one with them and attention, 100% attention, that apparently is like sort of enough or, or, or like gives them a lot more than you think because I think I my struggle for me is I feel like trying to give them all the attention they need plus juggling that with a business and then you get the mother's guilt all the time as well yeah and we went in the holidays we actually had a, a birthday party on the island of Bali and we actually just decided to take just Teddy because it's his birthday he done well at school he had a great year and we said let's take him he's the middle of the middle he's the second child and let's give him some one-on-one attention and it was funny by day two and he had friends up there a lot of our friends had kids his age so he was happy but by day two he said he was missing his siblings yeah did you fly him in <laughs> we were only gone for three days well we only went up for three days but what we thought is so we don't actually have to do a whole holiday with them they just want you know, a bit of a day, you, a, time. Yeah, yeah. a day, a lunch, a dinner, an outing, an hour. So it actually made me realise that it made me feel a bit better in the sense that they just want maybe just short-term intense attention from the parent. I think that's absolutely it. So, so tell us more about The Vault. You know, it's been so successful. I mean, you only kicked off like, what, two years ago. So your kids at that point, you had the three of them and the yes. youngest wasn't at school yet, Sebastian at the time. He was about 18 months, I think. Yeah. Oh, no, maybe he was two. Sorry, he was about 18 months when we developed the idea. Yeah. And we spent about a year developing the idea, like being lawyers, researching, (laughs) researching, sort of just discussing and and workshopping and brainstorming and working out if it would work. And then after about six months of that, we said, let's go with this. And so then obviously we had to, being not tech ourselves, then we had to brief the developers and we chose Silicon Valley developers because they were sort of experts in marketplaces. And so we had to develop the brief and then work with them on the journey of developing the site. So yes, Sebastian probably was about three by the time we launched. So we launched like mid 2017 so yeah about two years ago and yeah we started with like 400 items we're now over 20,000 listings on the site and we get like 100,000 monthly active users and we've got over 3,000 lenders as well so it's actually really exciting we've had like we screwed 400% last year we're sort of on track this year so I think we're actually really excited that Australia has really embraced the sharing economy and embraced the vault. Yeah. And I think seen its value and just really trusted in us as a platform, which is exciting. So what were you thinking doing this with your kids being so young? <laughs> like really, after everything we've just discussed, do you think it was because you just had no concept what it was going to be? I don't believe that because you've had business experience before. One of my co-founders and I were, were chatting about this idea of the vault and we chatted about it a bit and a bit more and we sort of sat down and we did a bit of a business plan and we sort of thought, I know, you know, when you start really brewing over an idea and I just thought, you know what, 
this is such a good idea. No one had done it in the world. Mm. Like, you know, it hasn't been done before. And we just thought, like, it was almost too, just thought too good not to do, you know, like, let's give it a shot. And I obviously had done, you know, started up a business before and I knew how hard it was. <laughs> and I actually thought it'll be hard, it'll be really hard. I was saying to the other fans, it'll be really, really hard. Don't underestimate how hard this will be. But to be honest, my husband drove the other business more than me. Like I so I still underestimated how relentless and hard it would be because this time with the vault, as opposed to me sharing it, said my husband, and he took was driving it. And so when I had the kids, I could take the break off a bit or something. With the vault, it was mine, mine and my co-founders. Like mm. we were driving it. You know, it was up to me to get it off the ground. I was accountable. It didn't matter that I had a young child there or something needs to be done. Like if something was due, I had to do it. So I must admit, like even knowing how tough businesses are to get off the ground, I still probably slightly underestimated how challenging a startup would be. But I think also the challenge we had, the four of us, is none of us are tech. So mm. we're two lawyers, a teacher and an academic doctor. We're all used to working hard, you know, good work ethic. We don't mind upskilling. We always love new challenges. We still had to upskill in a whole new industry that we knew nothing about. So that was a, a huge challenge in itself because most people probably start a business in something they know, whereas we thought, no, let's just jump in the tech world. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> so I think the amount I've learned and we probably bring other things to the vault that someone in tech wouldn't have brought. So I think because we've all done careers beforehand, we do know our strengths and weaknesses and we, where we are weak, we've always hired help, upskilled, mm. sought help, sought advice. So we're not naive in that respect. Absolutely. And starting a business or running or any kind of business, it's always a good idea to have people from different backgrounds because everybody brings something different to the table. So, And like you say, you can hire in for the skills that you're lacking. It's interesting how you've described that and saying that you thought it was going to be, you knew it was going to be hard, but actually it was harder than you thought. Because it's common, isn't it, with starting your own business. A lot of people expect that they'll have all the freedom and flexibility and are surprised to see that it's not that easy. Yes, I don't know whether it's so interesting. Is, is it like, I'm trying to, we've been talking about this like, in this founders, like, is it a common misconception? Like, it's so interesting because it's very um, attractive to start your own business. And, and to be honest, whilst it's been the hardest most challenging thing I've done it's also been the most rewarding thing I've done so it is very rewarding along the way but there is obviously a lot of stress and hard work that comes with that and just also being the overwork underpaid like we're bootstrapped you know <laughs> so it's like you got to realize that just the amount of effort time money that goes into it and you just really do have to wait a year or two to even see any results often and so when we initially soft launched the site for a couple of months and we got to the launch of the site we were so excited we like had this we couldn't believe that we got launched the site we thought oh my gosh we've done it and then I realized that we had basically run a marathon to get to the starting line like, yeah just begun I uh, know I was like we had just even though we'd gone so far and I remember our mentor one of our, our developer who's been an amazing mentor to us he said honestly just congratulations most people don't even get to this point you know at least you put your idea into action and now whether it gets traction or how it goes from here is, you know, it's another story in itself. But I think this is why 
when people say they've got an idea, I think <laughs> most people now you know why ninety five percent of people don't go ahead and head with it. So yeah, they either don't follow the business idea in the first place, or they do start it and they drop out so quickly. I mean, the stats around people leaving business after you know one, three, five years is phenomenal. It was interesting what you said about how valuable you found the experience because I find the same thing, and I think that if you do go into business and it's working for you. I think for a lot of business owners, it comes down to the personal growth that comes with being a business owner because of all that upskilling and learning and stretching yourself that you're doing that you don't do when you're sitting in a comfortable desk job that earns a really good salary and you have a nice life, like you, you're not pushing yourself as hard. <laughs> I definitely think, to be honest, and I recently found this out in London as well, like I do think entrepreneurs are a certain personality type or a certain type of person personality type maybe they're not all the same personality type but I think for someone to just actually leave the safety and security of a profession and a well-paid job and a paycheck and whilst that in itself was rewarding and challenging at the time too to give up all the safety and security and just give something a go that you don't even just you have faith and passion in that you don't know if it will make it does take a certain personality type and I think I remember at the time and my husband said he fully supported me otherwise I wouldn't be able to do it and he's like look at the end of the day you'll never know if you don't give it a go mm. great idea you really have got passionate about it and you'll learn a lot on the way like the skills you'll come out with it out of it at the end I never would have got probably sitting behind a desk as a lawyer so I think like you said it's so true the personal growth and the reward that's come with it has probably been like one of the best things so far. Mm. I want to bring us back to the juggle because before we hit record you were mentioning how many children there are of the founders of your business and it was quite a high number and we were about to start an interesting conversation and I asked you to stop talking so I could record it. So <laughs> for the benefit of our listeners, please tell us how many children there are between you and your co-founders. So there's four co-founders of The Vault. We are all females, which is quite unusual in the tech world. Yeah. And we have 12 children and 10 of them are under five. It's amazing. So... <laughs> We, yeah, we have a dozen children. It's a lot. It is a lot. I mean, even Joe and I, when we're trying to co- coordinate the two of us to catch up to do juggle-related things in an evening, you know, around the children's bedtimes, sometimes, not so much now, but there are times when, it, you know, that's not so easy. So trying to coordinate four of you around your children's schedules. I think that you're doing amazing things. And I think that just goes, and I just think as well, like you, you ladies are the same, like I think it just goes to show that really being a mother, it should not stop you from pursuing an idea or your dreams because, and that's what I think we initially, when we are raising, and being females in a tech world is challenging at times. Being females that don't have a tech background is challenging again. And then I think with the children, like obviously we've been, some of us have been pregnant throughout the process. Mm-hmm. And I think the hardest thing was us was trying to explain to like, I came into the vault with three children. I now have one more. Like we came in with children. We weren't 25 year olds that then had a child. So we already have knew and had worked and had done the juggle before anyway yeah so it wasn't sort of something that we were 23 and suddenly had a child and suddenly went I don't want to do the vault anymore so I think that gave faith you know in our investors as well like we were doing it anyway was it an issue for investors look Australia does think they've come a long way in terms of 
diversity and women in the workforce and mothers and that. I do think for us sometimes the subconscious mind of the people that we were pitching to maybe read things in that they thought or they just assumed. But I think the investors we got are amazing and came behind us, you know what I mean, and knew that we could do it, knew we were hardworking, like just because we had children does not mean that. And where we have taken it to date, like our work ethic is massive. We get the job done. How we get that done shouldn't really matter, whether that's midnight or round the clock or it means we have to attend something of our child. So I think Australia's definitely come a long way. I do think maybe there still is a little bit prejudice sometimes there, unfortunately. Mm. in certain industries as well we're probably in a pretty male-dominated industry yeah and we do pitch when we're pitching for money is mainly males as well so yes once our numbers start doing talking it never it didn't matter it's interesting not didn't matter but the question you know became relevant we did get asked occasionally inappropriate questions probably it's tough and I think you hit the nail when you said that it's tech too, because it's one thing to be a woman in business, but you've got so many factors added together. It's you're a woman in business, all your co-founders are women. You're in an industry, in a business that's so high powered, you know, it's got all that stuff around it. On the positive side, there's a lot of push these days for women to be in tech. You see and hear it everywhere. So are you finding some benefits from that as well? And that drive to encourage women to be in tech is also accepting of the fact that these women might happen to have children? I definitely think probably one thing I've learned is, and maybe this was never made clear to me before, is that you don't have to be techie to be in tech, which I always assumed in the tech world you had to know, you know, tech knowledge. And so I think that probably scares a lot of people away. So if they're not techie enough and they have a brilliant idea, they won't go there. I think it has helped that we've all had professions beforehand and we've all had life experience and that we aren't 23 or whatever so I think we maybe I mean the, the legal world was pretty male dominated probably a lot of the law firms <laughs> I worked still at is. so I think maybe <laughs> that I've probably come through an experience that anyway I worked in investment banking in London and that was definitely male dominated but I was I was respected so I think as long as you earn their respect I think it's like in the industry I think it you know they'll expel except you male or female. And I think that's what happened. Like we really just started getting traction. Um, we were just really heads down working really hard. We weren't necessarily seeking unwanted attention sort of thing. And I actually just think we've actually sort of earned a lot of people in that. We've made a lot of mentors now and collaborate with a lot of people. And I think we've, probably, I think we've just actually earned their respect from what we've done with the business as well. So I think being male or female has now come out of it. But I think initially, before people understood what we did, the amount of people that asked us, where do you keep the dresses? That was really frustrating. <laughs> In your wardrobe, you know. I know. So we were like, <laughs> we don't own the dresses. <laughs> we're a tech company that provides a platform for people to monetize their wardrobes. So I think once we've got people past the fact that we weren't playing with dresses. Yeah, girls, <laughs> playing with dresses. We, yeah. we finally got down. <laughs> so, but it's interesting because obviously I was in London last month with Startup Catalyst. I went over to London Tech Week and the WA government funded me to go over there on behalf of the vault and it was incredible. They took... WA only sent five companies, but overall there was 40 of us that went. So 22 founders, 13 were female founders. 
And I think those are quite exciting for me. Yeah. Obviously, whilst there aren't as many in WA, I think there is obviously a real push and it's obviously now coming through. And I think females are taking the plunge and really giving it a go. And I think the government's really backing them as well. And then even over there, we met really inspirational female founders in London who've been really successful. And so I think just having mentors and people to inspire you, and I think is fantastic because probably that wasn't the case 10 years ago. So I think I probably know the answer to this, but, you know, if the vault idea hadn't come along and you hadn't gone full throttle into that, do you think you'd still be involved in a legal career to some extent? Yes, I think I would be. When it comes to that juggle, like when you think back to how it was doing it with just your legal career versus how you're doing the juggle now, what do you think? As you know, being a lawyer is long hours as well and sort of, you know, under the pump because I had gone in-house, so I think my hours were more controlled in-house. So, And I'd sort of managed to get to a good point of the company I was at where my hours were... I was pretty content with the hours versus my family time. If you can ever get to a certain balance that you're content with. And obviously when certain things or deals came up, I was prepared to, you know, work on that as well to get those done. But at the same time, it's sort of a good understanding. Whereas I think maybe law firms, maybe the, you don't quite have the flexibility, maybe it's in-house. But now, yeah, I look back and think, I remember thinking, well, you know, you go into your own business, we get, we get flexibility, don't you? You do. But the workload's probably 100 times more. <laughs> so, so if you don't want to work for the week, you don't have to, but it probably means that you won't sleep the week after. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kim, you know, there's a lot going on in being a tech startup and being a mum and women in business, all of that sort of stuff. What have you found to be the main experience, main takeaway, being a, a mum in a tech startup? Um, well, to be honest, for the first couple of years, we all had to actually pretend that we didn't have any children. Um, so we were sort of, even though we were mums, just like two or three children at the time, we had used to call them the invisible children. So we used to pretend these 12 children were invisible and we just had to pretend that they didn't exist. And along with part of that, we were a bit concerned that if the media took it on or we got tagged um, or branded a certain way that would be unfavorable so looking back at that it's probably a little bit sad in this day and age but in saying that once we have built the business up to a certain point now and got traction and we've had pre-seed and seed rounds of funding the invisible children are allowed to come out now so people are allowed to know about our children now how did that make you feel at the time because when you said that and you said we called them the invisible children it hurt my heart a little bit. Like it's, it makes me feel sad. Did it make you feel sad? It probably made us feel more frustrated and annoyed that in this day and age, you know, we're doing the startup and we sort of had to sort of hide the children for fear that it may affect our business and what we're doing. And sad as well, but probably more just frustrated and annoyed. Like how are we in 2019 now? And having to hide the fact that women do have children and we can match it with the men and we can be just as successful as the men. Which raises that usual question that we all ask. Would you ask this question of men? Would you require men to hide their children? No, because no one even thinks about men in the same sentence as children when it comes to business. That's so true. Like I think just the questioning you get just generally with 
pitching or just generally with the business and the tech world, like you said, you do get different questions to the men being asked, which is unfair in, you know, really, they'd never ask men that question. So, yeah, look, I think Australia has come a long way, though. Like, I, I think I'm sure we just thought it wasn't worth, we didn't want to, we also didn't want to run the risk of it affecting what we were doing. But, yeah, it is actually quite sad when you think about it. Edit that bit out. <laughs> but like you said, these kids are coming out now, so let's see what happens next. Exactly. The next photo shoot you'll see will be the four of us with a dozen children. Oh, that would be very cool. Oh, I love it. Kids fashion, kids fashion. Do you imagine the, um, how many takes that would take to get that right? Everybody looking in the right same direction at the same time. Yeah, good luck. I can't even get my four children to ever look at the camera at yeah. the same time. We tried a photo shoot with the two of us and our five kids. Well, it was only four kids between us at the time and that didn't go very well either. <laughs> but I think um, I think we've, we've talked about it now at the vault as well and I think just with there is change going on definitely and I think, you know, diversity and things like that. So and I think it is good for people to be inspired or have role models and see that you can do it as mums with children. So moving forward, definitely, you know, a different path now. Yeah, well, you may have had invisible children for two years but you still had the children. Just because you didn't tell the media about them didn't mean you weren't still doing it while you had children. Exactly. And I just think we, we, we really wanted the focus to be on the business. The and business. Um, yeah, it sounds crazy really when you think about it, but we just thought that we just didn't want that just topic or argument to even come into play when people were talking to us about the business. We just wanted everything to be on what we were doing and not what our personal lives were because that is actually, you know, irrelevant in, the, in terms of the vault. So I think it's probably a good call at the time and now I think the business has probably worked itself up. You know, I've got enough traction that people take um, that seriously as well. So, Kim, you've spoken a lot about lessons that you've learned on this journey of starting up your business and juggling that with your family what would you say is the biggest lesson in it all or maybe the biggest realization on perhaps what surprised you the most probably joe and i talking about before to be honest probably the personal growth and satisfaction that you get from being an entrepreneur it's probably the biggest surprise to me in the sense that I, I knew that would happen. I didn't think it would be so rewarding and so satisfying. And I will come out the other end with this, like I've basically, you know, with a whole new skill set. I've sort of retrained myself in a whole new industry, which I probably thought I would never do a couple of years ago, you know, because you get comfortable in your profession, you get comfortable in your careers. That to me has probably been... It was probably the biggest lesson, the most rewarding thing, apart from also just the workload factor. (laughs) (laughs) How are you dealing with that mum guilt you mentioned earlier on? Uh, Mum guilt. It's horrible, isn't it? (laughs) It is horrible. (laughs) My co-founders and I talk about this all the time because we're on the same boat. And the best thing about having four co-founders, and we're all different, different personalities, we all come from different backgrounds, uh, like Lucy said before, we actually all complement each other, so it actually works quite well. And if someone's having not a great week because they're just feeling sort of overwhelmed, usually two of the three of the rest of us are having a good week. So it's actually been really, really, it's, it couldn't have done the journey, I don't think, without them because I think we've really helped each other and held each other up and we're all in the same position. And we really do help each other out. Like if someone's just under the pump or overwhelmed or can't get to something, we do just pick up 
if someone their things or help each other out where we can and we're not afraid to do the mundane all the way through to the exciting stuff as well. We do try and tell each other as well that really mother's guilt, I think it's just something you have to live with. I'm also proud that my children are seeing what I, they will appreciate what I've achieved and what I've one day look back. From my daughter's point of view, she can see that I had a family and I also managed to do a business as well. And also from my son's point of view, you know, they'll have potentially wives one day and they can accept that their wife can also work and be a mum and they can all help and chip in. Hopefully the greater good down the track will pay off. And I think we've all, like my co-founders, I've all just agreed that mother's guilt, unfortunately, is just something to do because there's no, there's no balance. balance <laughs> it's like I love your podcast called The Juggle. Balance is a myth. Yeah. <laughs> there is no optimal work-life balance. Like yeah. I don't think I'd be content at home five seven days a week either with I love love being a mother I don't think necessarily I'd probably want some kind of mental stimulation or doing something but where is the point I don't know if anyone achieves that tell me tell me <laughs> tell me the magic secret tell us the secret. yeah I'd like to know that too so Kim there's a couple of questions that we ask <laughs> all our guests on the show and I'm going to flip things around a bit tonight and I'm going to ask the second question first because you know why not So one of the things we like to ask is if there was one piece of advice that you were going to give to other women like us doing this juggle of work and career, what would it be? And if you want to pitch it particularly for perhaps women who are thinking about business or are in business, go for it. But, you know, it could just be general as well. I think definitely for women or really anyone, I think if you think you have a great idea and you think it's got some legs, I really just think you should just go for it. You'll never regret it. Whilst it is relentless and challenging, it is also probably the most rewarding thing that you'll ever do. And I just think if you have a passion about something or embrace the things you're good at, you never want to sort of live with regrets down the track that maybe you should have gone and tried something. So I think even though, to be honest, it is sometimes overwhelming, sometimes it's scary, but at the same time, I do just think that what you get out of it at the end is worthwhile always worthwhile. So I just think go for it really. It's worth it for all that personal growth. It is. It really is. Keep telling yourself that. Yeah. So I keep telling myself as well. <laughs> I know. It's, yeah. It's funny, isn't it? Cause I think sometimes you think like you do get overwhelmed and exhausted and you think, wow, you know, that old office job is looking pretty comfortable. <laughs> Is it worth it at, you know, the expense of the family and everything else? And then I think, though, you have those moments of just like sometimes um, for us it's funny because, you know, two of us were lawyers and teachers and academic and one of the fun things about our jobs might be sitting, you know, at a fashion show or doing fashion shoes or something like that and we're sitting at the front row of this fashion show and we're looking at each other and going, well, where have we come? Where have we come to? Where are we from? Like, you know, we were sitting at a desk a few years ago. So I think, you know, there's a lot of good with a lot of the, I shouldn't say bad because it's not bad. You know what I mean? Like there's challenge. Just, I think the experiences that I've experienced with the Vault have just been insane as well. Yeah. So um, I think I never would have done that sitting as a lawyer behind the desk. So that's been exciting too. The journey you go on is actually really exciting and you just don't know. I still don't know where the next year will go, Mm. where it will take me. So I think, as you guys know from having your own business, you actually just don't know 
where or what you'll be in the next six months. So you're just working towards sort of always improving yourself, improving the business and where that takes you can only be better really. So, And is there a mantra in all of this? Well, my own personal mantra, which probably applies to my both personal and work life, is embrace the chaos. Oh, yes. So I remind myself daily. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hours sometimes. <laughs> well, I had a bit of that chaos yesterday. Our washing machine exploded and um, flooded our upstairs. And my husband said to me afterwards, at what point were you going to notice this when your feet started getting wet? Because I was sitting in my office across the hallway and didn't notice. And then my son walks up and he's in the hallway calling out to me about lunch saying, Mummy, why is it all wet? And then I turn around and go, oh, my God. And there was water everywhere. My whole bedroom was flooded. The kids' bedrooms have started to flood. So, yes, I know what you mean about chaos. So next time you'll hear Kim saying embrace the chaos and then you'll just... I don't know, have a party, uh, yeah. splash them, get your welly boots yeah. out and change my shoulders. <laughs> I find it such a good, like, because it was just sort of, you know, when everything's sort of, it just chaos, work, home, wherever, all the kids, and I just think just embrace the chaos. Yeah. It'll be okay. <laughs> so. It's a bit like surrender. We spoke about that recently. Yes. I had that was my mantra. It kind of isn't really anymore, but was for a little while, which is just surrender. Yes. Let it be, whatever. Very similar it is, yes. Yeah. yeah. And I think it also takes into account the fact that this is now and tomorrow or next year is going to be really different. So, you know, embrace it, what it is. It's great. I love it. (laughs) Thanks, Kim. It's been really good to talk to you and learn about your business journey and your startup journey and your juggle journey. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Lucy and Joe. I like it. really appreciate it. And we're super stoked to be able to tell everyone that you have a discount code that you're going to share with us. Yes, so if any of your users would like to hire um, from the vault, if they use Juggle 20, they'll get 20% off whatever they hire. Awesome. That is so good. Anyone's got a special occasion coming up, definitely check out the vault. There is so much to choose from. And it's thevaultvolte.com. Cool. Thanks, Kim. Thank you so much, guys. So I hope after listening to all of that, you are all embracing the chaos. Don't forget the Vault have offered us 20% off using their code JUGGLE20. And this episode has very kindly been sponsored by Law CPD, who are offering you 25% off of the next course you buy between now and the 31st of October 2019. Just use the discount code JUGGLE25 at lawcpd.com.au forward slash the juggle. Awesome. See you next time, everyone. Happy juggling. you know like it's just and that's when you start dropping the ball as a mum I know because I'm trying to like I manage all the kids pretty much myself yes with the help of a nanny or someone else because he's not here to do it so pretty much solidly just me he doesn't begrudge me getting help in but it's also hard to fight like it's logistics of I just hate organizing the people all the time coming in that sounds you know it just sounds awful but it doesn't at all I just do a brain dump a couple of days ago I was like I just have to dump everything out that needs doing and it was like the list of the kids all the health things that they all need to go to the dentist you know I need an OT.
speech therapist there. I need, you know, whatever other things. Oh, I need to book them into piano lessons. Like all that stuff that because it's in my head and, you know, no one else is doing it. It's not getting done. And then it just. And that's only a mum. I know some of that stuff. Well, I was trying to explain to Matt once. He's like, what do we need? Do we get more help? What do we do? And I said, yeah, get more help. But I said, there is just a lot of stuff that as a mum, you just hold. Yeah. The whole, the emotional just stuff of being the mum, the kids, if they've had a bad day at school or someone's upset them all, all yeah. day, something this or you forgot it was there, something, and you miss, I don't know, them singing or whatever it is, sporting or whatever. But that sticks with you. And I'm like, no one can take that away. I could hire a million nannies, but still I'm the mum hooking them in and knowing where they need to be and scheduling them. And that's where I feel as the mum, no matter what, even if you have someone else helping, 